welcome to the Freelance Indexer Exchange. I'm Michelle Giuliano, and I'd like to start a conversation with you about indexing. I sometimes find the business of freelancing lonely and isolating. How about you? Do you ever wonder whether it has to be this way? So let's talk about the hard stuff, because we can do better together. Hello, everyone. I'm back today with a regular episode. I'll continue sharing more of my conversation with Enid throughout the season, but today I'm going to talk about index edits. An indexer-editor relationship might be just what you need to take your business to the next level or expand your business. This episode centers on the index edit relationship I have with Lori Lavati. She also helped me prepare my index edit presentation that I gave at the 2023 ASI conference. This podcast episode is an offshoot of that presentation, so you can think of this as a team production even if you're only listening to my voice. Now, why did I choose to talk about index edits today? Well, I always thought that working as an indexer in-house at a publisher would be... so great. And it would be a great way to start off in an indexing career. I thought it would be easier in some ways than being a freelance indexer. Talking with Enid back in June really reinforced this idea for me. There's a relationship that develops, a system that is already in place on how index should be created, styled, all those kinds of things happen, I would assume, in an in-house situation. And you don't have that kind of exposure as a freelancer. Learning to index and developing indexing skills, I imagine, would be easier. Not only that, questions would be encouraged among colleagues. When in doubt, you can ask the department manager, the production editor. They're there for you. You're a team. There's there's no dumb question with them, unlike sometimes with a client relationship. I feel that in the indexing world, we sometimes go by this unspoken standard that we shouldn't bother the editor or we shouldn't bother the author. I personally don't agree with this kind of standard, and I have over the past couple of years started opening up and strengthening those lines of communications with my clients, but I don't think that's really the norm. In an upcoming installment of my conversation with Enid, she's going to talk candidly about that process and how she develops an indexer-author collaboration. I feel like that is such a breath of fresh air. Also, when the indexes are prepared and completed in-house, there are usually, I would assume, people available to edit the index or look it over for you. Or when handed in, maybe it would go directly to someone who is assigned to edit. In other words, you have a team and you're producing the index as a team. When you're a freelancer, it's often just you. Also, let's talk about the obvious. When you're an in-house indexer, you're not doing any marketing, cold emailing, or calling to get indexes on your plate. They're assigned to you. There's a whole separate department that generates the work, hires the authors, and creates contracts and things like that. You don't have to do any of it. Of course, you do have to go into work, but that's an entirely different story. Also, when you're starting out as an indexer, with your first few clients, I I know there's a lot of pressure to not make a mistake, but making mistakes is how we learn. And you feel that pressure because you don't want to have any mistakes because you want your clients to recommend you to other clients and to hire you again. That's a hard place to start when you're truly inexperienced. It's so hard to become an indexer when you're all alone. Working in an in-house 
indexing department. Oh, that sounded ideal. And it was something that I felt was missing as I started out. I know that as a freelancer, it's hard to have a business without marketing and networking. You know, you have to do that. But, and an index edit relationship can't replace it. But it can help with having another set of eyes on my work and taking that pressure off. Before I talk about the ins and outs of index editing, I'd like to share my past and present experiences doing index edits. I was fortunate enough to work with Enid after taking her boot camps. She's an amazing index editor. I really grew as an indexer under her watchful eye. Not only was she great at pointing out my inconsistencies, errors, and structural issues, she was really good at showing me the holes in my own index edit processes. So that really helped me grow. I would not be the indexer I am today without those marked up indexes from Enid. I'm grateful that we had a great student mentor teacher relationship, and I really enjoyed all the work I did with Enid for the first three years of my business. Fast forward a couple of years, and I was at the point where I really wanted to sharpen my science and medicine indexing skills. I happened to be talking to a copy editor friend of mine about this, and she mentioned that she had a colleague who specialized in science and medicine edits. I ended up connecting with that science and medicine editor. We really hit it off. As I got to know him, I asked whether he would consider editing my indexes when I had a project in his field. He readily agreed and because he loved the idea of expanding his own work experiences as well. Overall, it was great. He was detail-oriented, and I liked how much of a reader perspective he brought to indexes. He didn't really have a good background. He really didn't have much of a background at all in indexes. So it really was a fresh set of eyes. But it was expensive, both in terms of time and money. He was slow because he often spent time checking things that my software readily dealt with. So I had to do a lot of teaching to bring him up to speed. And without an indexing background, he didn't understand the nuances of indexing. So there are some things that he really couldn't help me with. And it might take a long conversation over the phone to see how I should approach different things and how he could help me answer the questions that I had. I wasn't at the stage in my career where I could really teach about indexing. I understood how to do it, but I didn't quite possess the expertise to teach someone those nuances. He could do an excellent proofread, though, but that's not necessarily the same thing as a good edit. I'll talk more um, in a bit about the differences between proofreading and editing an index. And I realized that while a proofread was great, I was looking for more of an edit, We kept our partnership going for quite a few months, but in the end, while it was a good experiment and experience, it was not necessarily a good fit for me. So I kept working by myself as a Lone Ranger for the next few years. Then I had an issue crop up in one of my personal quarterly reviews that I really wanted to address. I've talked previously in the podcast about year-end reviews. I also do quarterly reviews where I look at the kind of work I'm doing, where I'm spending my time, and whether I'm hitting my targeted hourly rate in a more narrow window of time in a 12-week period. If I'm not, I want to investigate by evaluating my time tracking data. Episodes of this podcast, specifically numbers three, four, and five, talk about how to do a year-end review. And you can take some of that information and condense it and do a quarterly review. I like to do them obviously four times a year because they're quarterly reviews. Also in episode nine, I talk about how to translate your per page rate, your per entry rate, or your per word rate 
and also your flat project fee, into an hourly rate. I'll put a link to those episodes in the show notes in case you want to learn more about this. Getting back to doing my quarterly reviews. In 2021, I realized during one of those quarterly reviews that I spent an inordinate percentage of my time editing versus indexing, in spite my checklist and continually seeking to streamline my procedures. I always felt that this was the case, but I thought over time it would improve, but clearly it hadn't, and it was time for me to address it. Also, I was at the saturation point of what I could comfortably index on my part-time plus basis. You know, I I didn't want to index full-time, and I couldn't index full-time until my kids were in college. And at that point in 2021, I still had both kids at home and my youngest wasn't going to college until the fall of 2023. Yep, I'm indexing at home alone now. And it's definitely a different experience. I'll share more about this in a future episode. As a homeschool mom, my days were really divided between acting as an education coordinator, guidance counselor, and indexer. And I wanted my indexing practice to continue to grow though. So going full-time would be seamless in the fall of 2023. And spoiler alert, it has been seamless. And again, more about this in another episode. I wanted to be able to accommodate the increase in projects that were coming my way, but I wanted to be able to do it without dramatically increasing my hours because I really couldn't increase my hours substantially to accommodate these extra projects. So I needed to come up with a solution. And in my quarterly review, I started to pick apart how I spent my time editing, and I found that the majority of it covered two areas. Deliberately and considering structural options, especially on more complex books, took quite a bit of time. And then going over and over an index before submitting it, trying to catch every mistake. And that's an inefficiency issue. You know, even though I had procedures in place, I was still doing all the double checking and doing it multiple times, and I was really wondering how I could get off the hamster wheel. I really wanted something to change. So I started with the simplest thing I could think of, something that I had really good experience with in the past, an index proofread. I reached out to an indexer I respected, Lori Lavati, because I knew she did proofreading and editing in addition to indexing services. So she was an ideal person, and she said yes. Thank goodness she said yes. We had a brief discussion about our expectations, and then I booked a couple indexes with her for the coming month for index edits, and then we started to feel our way through the process. As an aside, I never found someone who did index edits besides Enid. There are some people who do index evaluations with feedback, but it's not quite what I was looking for. I had asked her around casually about this over the years, but maybe I hadn't asked the right people. I'll talk more about how to define the relationship between the indexer and the editor for index edits projects, but I'll be upfront. Both people need to leave their egos at the door. This is very much a collaborative project, and both of you want the same thing, an improved index. Not only is the index edit itself collaborative, but so is the relationship. You want it to evolve and change over time as you find what works for both of you. Our relationship more from proofreading the indexes to accommodating my desire for feedback and editing as well. So we do a mix of proofreading and editing. In my ideal world, I'd love to have the time to follow an edit with a final proofread. That doesn't always work out, but I'm sure I'm going to be able to figure that out in the future. So there you have it. I've had three experiences with index edits, all positive. If this is something you're interested in pursuing, either as someone seeking these services or offering these services, you should know that there are different types of index edits. 
The first one I'm going to describe is one most people are familiar with, an indexing skills evaluation with feedback. This is usually done by an experienced indexer who wants to educate the next generation of indexers. They might have exercises that lead up to this final evaluation, or they might offer to do an evaluation without formal instruction. It's a big undertaking for the indexer doing the review, and the feedback they give will be invaluable. This is not something that Lori and I do together, but it's a great way for new indexers to get more experience and feedback, or even for experienced indexers who want to take their skills to the next level. Because this this type of index evaluation requires so much time on the part of the experienced indexer, expect to pay a significant amount from it. But again, it's an investment in your future. Now we're going to move on to the types of index edits that Lori does for me. There's proofreading, and this is the most basic of what I consider an index edit. And the eagle eye of an index editor catches the errors that the indexer might have missed because the indexer was too close to the project or skimmed over them because they just couldn't see the trees in the forest. This type of index edit, I feel, is the most important. If the editor of a publishing house does only one thing or the author just does one thing, it's going to be proofreading the index. The index editor is coming at the index with fresh eyes, and it's amazing what they will find. This was the first type of index edit that Lori did for me. It's a great way to test the waters of a new indexer-editor partnership because there's not much room for interpretation between what should be changed after a proofread. An index edit that focuses on proofreading reveals errors like words that aren't misspelled but not the right word for the index. Think of statue versus statute. Subheadings that could be joined because one is pluralized and one isn't. Again, you might not see the trees for the forest. The editor might see parallel structures of subheadings and suggest combining subheadings. They will have the fresh eyes to check for the proper inversion of names. Spot They would might spot check locators. They might spot check or review all the illustrations, figures, or tables that are in the index. They might cite punctuation or capitalization issues. You get the idea. And here's where you can save time. Do the substantive index edit yourself. Then don't do a proofread. Turn that over completely to the index editor. As you make the corrections, after you receive the index back, you're going to be doing a final proofread anyway. And you'll be interacting with the text in a different way than if you had done the proofread before you sent it. I challenge you to do this. This is what you're paying for after all. And I think it'll be an eye-opening experience And I guarantee you, it's going to save you time. Another type of index edit is the edit. This is when you turn over your index and ask the index editor to look for things like structural issues, word choice, metatopic creation. They are not rewriting or restructuring the index. Remember that. They're pointing out places where headings might need reworking, rewording, restructuring, and they might make suggestions if appropriate. They evaluate the structure of the main headings, subheadings, metatopic, cross-references, and double posts. They look at synonym use and identifying areas where page numbers might not be double posted. The index editor will also be reviewing headings, subheadings, and metatopics for clarity and conciseness. This is an invaluable feature because they don't have the deep familiarity with the project that the indexer has. That kind of distance is invaluable. Let me state that again. It is invaluable and adds a layer that an indexer can usually not achieve on their own unless they distance themselves from a project by a period of time. And let me emphasize, note, 
they are not changing your index. As with the proofread, they are marking up the index. They are not changing it. I want to make a distinction that I didn't go over in the proofreading section. Copy editing straddles substantive editing and proofreading. So it's important to be clear about where you want this done and when you want this done. I generally lump it in with proofreading because it covers things like checking for mechanical issues, like formatting issues. Now let's talk about the difference between peer reviews and edits. Peer reviews are not index edits. This does not mean that they're not a valuable resource for learning and worthy in their own right, but they're not a substitute for an index edit. I'm talking about peer review sessions, which are not the type of reviews asked for on the index peer review group on Groups.io. I'm going to give you a link in the show notes um, for the index peer review group. They're a fantastic group that if you're a newer indexer, you really might want to um, look at joining. In this group, you can ask other indexers to do a review of your index, either before or after you send it. Typically, only the indexer who created the index has access to the book. So this might be a more superficial proofread, or maybe not. It depends on who offers to read the index and how much time they have. But remember, you might not have a relationship with these people. It might take time to develop a relationship to have a true index editor relationship. So let's get back to the peer review that's done in a group format. Indexers review an index that has already been submitted and then give their feedback to the author of the index, often anonymously. Or another way to do it is everyone indexes the same text and compares their indexes. Once the feedback has been accumulated for the one author index or once the indexes have been completed by all the participants, there's a group discussion. There's a meeting, a meeting of the minds where everyone can discuss the problems that they had or parts where they were stuck and everyone gets to have this great experience where there's a collaborative effort as to how to puzzle out the index and the different issues that people had. And so great learning, it's a great organic learning experience. This has been done successfully by many ASI chapters. And I know that group tutorials designed in this fashion are part of the Society of Indexers training course. There are other ways to run peer reviews. And Melanie Gee wrote an excellent article in the 2021 September issue of The Indexer on this. Definitely check out that. I'm going to put the title in the show notes. If you have a subscription to the indexer, you can definitely look it up online, or hopefully the copy of the issue is on your bookshelf. I absolutely endorse peer reviews. They are excellent exercises, but they're not the same as an index edit. And that's why I didn't include them in the types of indexes list. I hope you have found this introduction to the concept of index edits helpful. Be sure to send me any questions that you might have about index edits through the exchange box. I'm going to put a link in the show notes. In the next episode that I'm going to be recording will be about the pros and cons, the upsides and the downsides of doing an index edit. And I hope you join me for that episode if you want to learn more. Now it's time for the See Also segment of this podcast. And today I'm going to point you to a resource on editing indexes. It's an article by Bill John Cox in the Indexer. It's available for free and you're going to be able to download it as a PDF from the link that I share with you. The title of the article is called No One Need Ever Know The Usefulness of Editing Checklists. And what do you think it's about? It's about creating an editing checklist for yourself and Bill 
gives you some useful hints and lots of advice about how he does this himself. I found it to be insightful and spot on. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Freelance Indexer Exchange. Until next Monday, be well and do well, and happy indexing. Happy indexing.